Welcome back to the Beers and Sears podcast, episode three. A little banged up from this past weekend mm. against mm-hmm. the LSU Tigers. Got to mm. give a little bit of a credit to them. They played a pretty damn good game, even if Orgeron had nothing to do with the offense, because we would have won that game. If he had anything to do with the offense, it hurts. The pain is real. Embrace it. Get better from it. Learn from it. And we'll be a better team because of it. But, hey, we're back. We're on to Rice. We're on to bigger and better things. We're playing in an NFL stadium. It's like Sunday night football, basically, uh, except it's on Saturday. But let's get a little housekeeping start off. Shirts, koozies, they're coming in this week. I just emailed the guy. Um, he's not emailing me back. So this is – I've been saying this for two weeks now, and I still haven't uh, heard anything when they're actually coming in. So let's just hope that they actually come in. Uh, stickers, stickers, that was awesome this weekend. Shout out Sarah McGraw. Huge hit. Huge hit. Those were that was really cool to see. Uh, shout out Carter Thurmond. He had a perfect sweat stain as a circle in uh, his shirt at the and during the middle of the day because he's stinky and he sweats a lot. And then by the end of the day, it kind of gotten all crusty and white, you know, with wow. the, the sweat. That was great to see. Uh, but stickers and buttons will be in in or in Houston this this weekend. If you're going, I'll bring them all to the. Uh, Armadillo Palace at two o'clock, John. Right? You've been there yeah, before. yeah. Houston. Uh, everyone is going to be in Houston this weekend. Um, or if you're deciding whether or not to come, you should. But we are going to be having a pregame or tailgate, if you want to call it that, at Armadillo Palace starting at two o'clock. Um, that's Armadillo Palace on Kirby. I don't think there's another one, but uh, should be a good time. Great place. Uh, lots of TVs and. According to, uh, I guess according to Jay Fraser from a conversation last week, they do have fans and little air conditioning units for the outside area. It's been a little toasty down in Houston. So uh, should be a good time. We'd appreciate it if everyone showed up. Um, we'll uh, have plenty of shirts and whatnot and koozies to hand out um, if, as long as Stuart brings all of his excess koozies down to Houston. Um, I have no excess koozies. If you have questions about it, shoot me a text or shoot a text to our CMO um, who will – Promptly answer you uh, your questions, I guess. Also, shout out Jordan McGinty. She kind of helped put that one together, too. So we really do appreciate it. But we'll hear more from her uh, later, kind of. Uh, um, shout out shout out to Webb Elliott, as always, for letting Stuart do this podcast with all the air conditioning on. Huge. Um, we would not be able to have this podcast without uh, your efforts. So sorry for you sweating, uh, and uh, keep it up. Uh, John, this, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but this is the only time that we've played actually a team from Houston. So this is like beer of the week. The reason why I did, I know this the beer, <laughs> the beer like tradition. Why it starts. I mean, this is this is it. I might have, I might not do it again after this week. <laughs> Shout out to Thomas Rochelle who call me out on it. But drop off. Um, drop off. This week's beer and all those people that are fans of the Astros are going to like this is from Eighth Wonder Brewery. Um, we're going to go with the dome foam since it's the most popular one. Uh, great beer. If you haven't heard of it, then, uh, I don't know where you've been cause it's also everywhere. I think this was the beer I was actually drinking, uh, during episode one of this year. I, think, I don't remember. I think it, um, no. but it's a great, great brewery. They are in Edo East downtown, uh, really fun atmosphere. And I guess if you don't like going to the sold out car block, or you like to get away from St. Arnold's every once in a while. Eighth Wonder is a great place to go to during the day. Um, great outside venue with tons of games and TVs to watch uh, various sports and then a lot of great beers, including Dome Foam. So give it a tr- uh, try if you're at Armadillo Palace this weekend. They do have it there. Um, but, yeah, great great brewery and great beer as does, well. Does Carbock get, like, way too crowded? 
It is just kind of like the popular spot. Because you know, they're the sellouts. I mean, they sold Yeah, out. it's just the popular spot. You don't want to go like to the cool person's house all the time. You got to go gotta change it up a little you bit. You got to go to the so. grungy scene a little bit. Yeah, no, I like it. Okay, all right. Let's go ahead and rip this Band-Aid off. This is going to hurt, but it's going to feel good after we're done. Yeah, we promised that we'd make this 50-minute episode, so we got to get going again. All right, first off, game day. Yeah. I highly suggest everyone reading a uh, article on Barking Carnival. I br- believe it was by a guy named Joel Lewin. Don't quote me on this, but I think he might be a Fiji. I'm not entirely sure on that, but I think he might be. He had a really good, really good article. Um, it was basically like a hour by hour, minute by minute, what game day was like, and it started with him leaving Sixth Street at 2 a.m. and finishing with him getting to game day and getting on screen with the sign and everything at like 9.30 in the morning. I think he kind wow. of quits. But it's really good. It's very funny, very well written. Um, I highly suggest that. That kind of puts you in the mind of uh, the students. But game we'll, day uh, – like, st- we'll, we'll, we'll get our CMO to post that on Instagram. Yes, we actually that was a great. That is a great story. It was really good. Um but starting off, like the beginning of game day was incredible. I was in bed, like hungover, about to cry. My dogs were looking at me like, "What's wrong with this guy?" I was not at the game for those who aren't weren't aware. But yeah, so I was sitting in bed, just about to start bawling, crying. It was really sad, but kind of a happy sad at the same time because it was that um, you could tell that the game day crew really did feel the energy and they really did kind of appreciate it. And you got to that all starts with Del Connie, obviously. He's supposedly handing out dough. Uh, What's it called? Tacos, breakfast tacos at like five thirty in the morning. But, yeah, do you see the lines they had? I don't even know why, how, why there were lines, but um, to get in the stadium or getting game you know, day to get into like game day, it was like they had a like a whole fence out before you know a certain time or really? whatever. So, Every, yeah, no, it was awesome how many people showed up to that. It was it was pretty unbelievable, even with how hot it was. They kept on saying like this is an unbelievable crowd considering the situation and the heat and the temperature and everything, but uh, it was fun to watch McConaughey was absolutely incredible ripping that thing off of Corso will go down as like one of the most iconic game day moments you can tell Corso was pissed and yeah no, like he, I think that's like one of the rules as a uh, guest picker you don't rip don't off the head gear. really it's like the number one thing but <laughs> he did it I, I think the the obviously the atmosphere was great I think the setting worked out a lot better than I expected I liked the stuff in front of the tower but that was also a great view of campus um, and also provided like enough space for that many people to show right. up. So yeah. um, that I, was cool. I, I liked it better there than under the <laughs> tower. Um, the the McConaughey like knowing every single game and the lines and everything was incredible. I think people are like, oh, he rehearsed that. Like blah blah. blah an actor like, yeah, it was obviously rehearsed. But how did he do? I, I wonder. I'm, I'm interested to see how I mean, he did. He, did, his he got like. He was on. I mean, he was on BYU. He was on Maryland, like, Colorado. He was on Maryland. Like he was on a bunch of kind of dogs you know games that weren't supposed to go that way yeah i I wouldn't be surprised if he the only loss that he had was us because he had north carolina too yeah i know he had south florida and no one else had him i don't even know what happened in that game yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he only lost like one or two which is obviously very impressive but um so what was was so transitioning into um i guess the the rest of the day and i guess austin's atmosphere um, leading up to the game, shout out to Max McCamey and Cole McDonald. Great tailgate at, the, at Max's house. Really fun, great food, good music. Uh, it was good to see all of our pledge brothers as well. Uh, good time. Uh, went to campus around three, three um, thirty ish, and it was packed. I mean, it was 
like the new little tailgating area um, along Red River or whatever that road is called now um, was, you know, that little area where they have tents that they can, you can buy and whatnot was packed. It felt like the Grove except for a hundred degrees hotter. Um, and both Bebo Boulevard and Midway or Smokey's Midway were, I mean, looked like a, the orange sea. It was just so packed and was so cool. Um, which led me to like want to get into the game like an hour before. And so I got there and there was literally a thousand people at the gate, but no one was going in. And it was just people trying to buy tickets or sell tickets. It was was out of control. And you got to the gate and the lady was like, yeah, come on in. They didn't want to see you have your ticket got in. Um, obviously one note is that I was sitting next to Matt Williamson, whose ticket was like a double ticket, I guess, or it was one of his ticket was counterfeit that he got off of StubHub or the guy who was also in his seat was counterfeit. So long story short, there was three or four people who told me that they had their tickets either doubled up or stolen or whatever. So it was pretty, pretty crazy how that happened, but I'm pretty sure they let like anyone and everyone in. I'm pretty sure people just paid off the gate people and said, Hey, here's like 40 bucks. Um, I mean, it, it, we, I was on a row, on the end of the row, seat 21, and at one point we counted, we had like 35 people on our row. Oh, it my was, God. It was unbelievable how crowded <laughs> it was. I mean, it, it, there was not a seat empty, um, which was cool. I, unfortunately, was in section one, the far southwest corner, Yeah. which, um, you know, being in that far south side was tough in terms of noise. It, it was crowded. It was it was rowdy but it definitely wasn't the loudest i've heard that stadium um to be honest that, it, yeah i've heard i've heard that too from multiple people and i think it has to be a part of the the south end zone not Agreed. having that containment not having all those stands just vibrating reverbing all the noise back into the onto the field which sucks i mean what are you gonna do it's definitely yeah. worth it you know what will be there eventually next year or whenever but um, yeah, I did hear that that it wasn't as loud. And yeah, however many people were there, like you would think it would just be the loudest place of all time. Yeah, it just it kind of goes back to I hate to say is that our stadium's just not made for like I mean it was loud and it was a good home home field advantage, uh, but it's just not made for that intimidating loud roar. It's just so wide. But um, you know, again, everyone's giving credit to the students. They did a great job. I'm sure it was an absolute cluster over there, but they were there were crazy too. They were there two hours before kickoff full. The overflow section was full for them. So that was awesome. They were just blasting rap in the student section like an hour and a half before the game. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, it was, it was really, really, really cool environment. And that's, that's the kind of environment that we need to have at, you know, every home game uh, to, you know, really create the, the home field advantage that one draws recruits and, and makes it more of an intimidating place to play, uh, which we just haven't really had in, in multiple seasons. So um, we'll see. I think. Yeah. The, the staff looks like they definitely took advantage of it. Um, the undertaker McConaughey saw yeah. like Mo Bamba and all those guys. And, and then a bunch of, not a bunch, but like a couple of NFL guys, former uh, players were there. Shout out Zach Maffridge. Got to meet DJ. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Arapo? did I see a Rapo there? Or am I making that up? No, I think you're right. Yeah, because I, I mean, he like lives in Austin now. Doesn't he make cupcakes in Nashville or something? He he has one in Nashville, and I think he has one in like Dripping Springs. Him and uh, Michael Griffin. Griffin, yeah. But all right, let's get into it, the actual game. We'll, we're going to start with the good and start with the offense and what they saw. Wow! Yeah, unbelievable performance by the offense especially in the second half. I mean, that was just what that fourth quarter 
that dominance, I mean, was 17 points that we scored. That was unbelievable to watch, especially like for me on TV, just being like, oh my God, like we're in this, we're in this, we're in this, we're never out of this. They only, the, the first quarter they got shut out, but obviously that was tough to watch. But I mean, when you have two fourth and whatever inches on the goal line, that should, that stat line should look a little different. I, I liked going for it on fourth down both of those times. I mean, the Keontae play, like you can't draw it up any better. That's, yeah, that's, that's on, him alone that's not on Herman that's on no one else so the the design run for Sam I mean yeah it's 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 an easy call to make and for good reasons it's worked so many times but come on man like you gotta you gotta change that up every now and again and they threw the change up with the uh with the Keontae but when we came back to it I don't know it was like what what do we do we we should have kicked a field goal the second time if you want me to be honest it it was I mean you 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 set and shout out to Webb again. You kind of set the precedent that you are you don't think you can win with field goals, or you don't. You, I don't know. Just set a bad uh, taste in, in my mouth because it's like, all right, we've got to score touchdowns to be able to beat this team. Which right. at the time I didn't think was going to be the case, and then our yeah. defense got to play. <laughs> um, forgot how to play football in the second half, but uh, yeah, the Keontae play was tragic. I, I half the stadium thought he thought it was a touchdown before we knew what happened. Mrs. Ellinger and yeah. his sister. That was, um, that was rough. And unfortunately, we just we, we were so predictable on the second one, and it would just blow up in our face. But you know, I agree. The offense held their own. Um, w- w- there were time and time again where I thought we were done, and we were just converting clutch third downs. Um, my favorite possession that the offense had was their first possession of the second half, where we had you know stopped them or stopped LSU for the only, I guess the only time that we did stop them in the second half, and we ran. Like I want to say, you know, uh, a seven to eight or maybe even nine minute drive, which included minutes. included multiple injuries for LSU. Don't get me started on that. I think that was four on that drive alone. And shoot, I mean, it was like a thirty minute, you know, actual time, time uh, yeah. drive. Our defense just sat on the bench and watched, which I thought was going to be helpful. Little did we know, uh, but they just that our offense went toe to toe with what is I guess being called one of the better offenses offenses in in football now, which is LSU. So mm-hmm. I was really proud, really proud, and you know the the group that's been getting a lot of praise from both the coaching staff and fans in general is your favorite, the offensive line. Yeah, they played absolutely unbelievable. I saw Tim Beck's quote actually tonight that said that between Cosme and Kerstetter, that he thinks that's the best pair of tackles that he's seen at Texas. And it's very brief, but still, I mean, he's seen Connor Williams. He's seen Calvin Anderson. So that's saying a lot. Uh, and I, I agree with him. Both of those guys played absolutely unbelievable. They, Clavion Chase on or whatever that dude that was talking so much shit beforehand. Just a little side note, just a, a little seeing orange for a second. Like, the thing that pissed me off the most about this game was obviously losing, but the fact that they they basically got away with how much shit that they talked before the game and it, they didn't have to pay for it. It's one thing when you talk that much shit and then you just lose, so you really have to eat it. But when you talk that much shit and then you win, you felt like you're vindicated. And that's what or, drove me nuts. Or continue to talk crap right. to me, like just saying the air condition doesn't work. So, right. Okay, come on, oh, guys. Let's grill up here. We're Complaining away. about the band being up in the top section. Get out of okay. here. Every Another band. seeing orange. If I hear one more fucking person talk about that, it's been like that for how many years? Yeah, it's, we were nice and let fans and visiting teams used to sit in the south 
East corner. Right. That was like for conference. And that was like conferences, uh, conference games only. And it was only for maybe one or two years. And it was during the Patterson area. And that didn't count because he was an idiot. Send us up top next year. I don't care. It's like, it's a home field advantage for a reason, but yeah, it's exactly that. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, offensive off, offensive line, the tackles. Uh, they played very well. They held Clavion Chase on to one sack and really kind of limited him. There were so many plays where he was just stuck and couldn't do anything. And that's not just Cosme. That's I mean, that's Curse Setter too. And yeah. y'all know everyone knows that I'm the biggest Cosme stand of all time. But he like Curse Setter played just as well, maybe just slightly less because of the dumb penalty that he had in the second half. But I love other, it. Other, yeah, he did. Have, yeah, he did kind of fall a little bit there in the second half. But. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, other than that, like, Cosme, I'm still sticking with my guns that he's going to be an All-American this year. He looked yeah, absolutely he, unbelievable. And the guys he, inside did, too. He was getting a lot of national praise as well, again, on Twitter. It was it was pretty cool. But Parker Braun, the the plays, he, man, he was had a great game. Yep. That one play where he drove the guy in the end zone and just, like, I mean, pancaked him into the ground. Yeah, the guy that guy was, weighs, like, 330 pounds, too. The guy was pretty much – I think he went out on that play. No, he and did. When, he, he went out and he didn't come back in. Well, we scored like two plays later, but still. Yeah, I, I was. It was. It was a really, really impressive uh, game from the offensive line in general for, against a really, really good defensive uh, line from LSU. And the only, especially against the run, like obviously we didn't run the balls nearly as good as we thought, or we we should have, or will do the rest of the year. But I mean, you want. to get into like iron sharpens iron stuff like that like that's the best competition we're going to see all year on d-line by far so if you can do that against this you know imagine what you're going to do against the tech d-line you know or something like that but yeah the the only problem i saw was a couple of missed communications i think most of them were against Shaq, just blitzing right up the middle i mean it sucks but when you're playing against good defenses good fast linebackers and grant delpits running down your throat like it happens i get it um, but other than that, the offensive line played probably the best as a unit um, in the game, I, I thought. It probably wasn't even close, really. Yeah, I would say a close second group would be the wide receivers. They had an unbelievable game. So uh, transitioning to them, the more entertaining uh, position. Obviously, the name that sticks out just based on uh, a couple plays that he made was – I guess you could argue there's two guys who stuck, stick out. But um, Devin Duvernay, I mean, just – the guy looked like Quan Cosby on that one broken or that one touchdown. Mm-hmm. That was that was awesome. That was very was, vintage Quan. Uh, I was, I mean, when he almost, I think he would have gotten a first down, but when he broke it, the stadium went nuts because that again brought us within uh, one score. So his game, obviously, twelve receptions, one hundred fifty-four yards, um, the longest being that that breakout play. Was awesome, and then Brendan Eagles as well, man. He was going up in high, I mean, catching some really awesome uh, passes from Sam. I mean, jumping all over the corners that were really not that good from LSU. It was not a DBU game at all, so don't get me started on that. Both schools do not deserve to be called DBU this year. Um, and then obviously, it sucks. CJ is going to have double coverage all year. He had a few uh, nice plays. He had a lot of um, deep balls coming his way that just. Uh, honestly, we'll get to Sam in a second. That really didn't give Colin a chance to, to really truly make yeah. a clean play on it. Um, and then everyone's favorite, Jake Smith, with a miraculous touchdown catch. That was just like, how the hell did he catch that? that so was a, that was, I mean, that was a good catch. Don't get me wrong, but that is a tight window, and Sam barely fit that in there. I think that was more on the throw than it was on the on the catch. But yes, that was yeah. still exciting to watch. Um, 
But yeah, the, uh, Duvernay running over Grant Delpit, not once, but twice. There was obviously the big one when he broke it out um, to the flat. But there was another one earlier in the game when he just basically ran through a Delpit arm tackle, stepped over him, and then kept on going and ended up getting the first down. But both of those were unbelievable plays. In the second half, he had, what, like 120 yards or something like that? Yeah, um, something. Including, including the touchdown. So, yeah. Remember last week when I said that the Eagles' uh, numbers were a little inflated? I think I might have been a little wrong on that one. I'll admit that. Uh, it, it's got to help that he plays on the other side from Colin because, like you said, he was CJ was doubled pretty much the entire first half, um, and then the second half when they were tired of Eagles, they kind of spread it out a little more and let the field open up a little bit more, which obviously Duvernay took advantage of. But I mean, with Eagles and on the other side of Colin Johnson, he's going to take advantage of it, or he's going to get those uh, those opportunities and take advantage of it. So you, you can't say much more about it. Um, if he can keep that consistency up all season, it's just a huge another input uh, to this already stacked wide receiver group. Uh, Should we? Uh, yeah, let's go transition to the, to Sam, and then we'll do running backs. I guess we'll start with Sam. Yeah, I mean Sam. That first half is really going to haunt him, but the I mean, is it all his fault? No, the, obviously the drop touchdown pass definitely isn't but there were a few throws like like you said those prayers they just threw up to Colin that was just like I mean nobody can make this catch and yeah it kind of you could pass it off as good defense for the um, LSU corners but it really wasn't Uh, he he knew the DB group I mean over the middle you can't really do it because of what the DBs they had but those really aren't 50-50 balls those are much lower percentage type throws and he kind of just wasted his, wasted a throw, basically wasting downs. Uh, obviously, the second half was the biggest change of everything. I mean, he was on fire to say uh, the least. Um, we he, we needed him to be great the entire game. Unfortunately, he was only great for one one half, really yeah. three quarters. I mean, he was. He was much. He was even better that second quarter than he was the first quarter. But yeah, he just wasn't very accurate on the first couple drives, no. and there was just so many throws that would just looked like prayers instead of like actual clean plays. Like Burrow, like there was so many put throws that Burrow threw. It was like holy crap, that was an NFL type throw. Um, but you look at the end of the day. I mean, you kind of look at the big picture, and yet again, Sam led this team back into the game. You know, he he's a winner, and he. I mean, he threw. 400 yards um again no picks knock on wood yeah. um it's just he he look at his losses while the starting i guess while being the starting quarterback at texas and the biggest loss was the big 12 championship last year which was like what 10 or 12 points uh nine points i think yeah i mean he loses every single game or every loss that he's had has been very very close he just always finds a way to bounce back in game which is something that we just haven't had in a long time. When we used to go down, it was like, oh, well, I'll also throw the towel in on this one because right. Tyrone or Colin, or not Colin, geez, uh, Michelle is not going to bring the team into it. So, uh, I to lay off my guy. Yeah, no. Oh, we did lose by 12. I'll take that back. You're right. Um, yeah, I read that Twitter like last night. So, um, again, I was disappointed by the, the deep, deep throws by Sam. It, it just, there were so many times where either, Duvernay or 
um, where Colin were, had, I guess, had beaten their guy and just Sam didn't really put it out there far enough. Um, or in one case, in the very first drive, he overthrew someone. It's just, again, it felt it brings back a concern of his deep ball. But, yet again, he we scored how many points in the second half? So, 20, 31 points in the second half. I mean, it was like our offense was rolling, and the only reason was we were rolling was because of him. He was, I mean, the engine behind it all. So, um, unfortunately, he was our leading rusher. So, I guess let's, let's get into that. Um, you know, there's too much on his shoulders if if Keontae plays the way that Keontae has played so far. Yeah. Um, so we need Keontae. Going into it, you and I, I think, predicted both Keontae were gonna have, was going to have like 100 or 125 yards in the game. That was a flop. Yeah, I think we – well, to our defense, I think we said that if for us to win this game, yeah. Keontae needs to have over 100 yards. And, yeah, that – that did not age and, well. And it goes back, well, he, he was nowhere near that, and we still almost had a chance. So credit yeah. Sam, Sam again. So Exactly. I mean, yeah, he, Sam ran the ball. They got him going early. They they talked about earlier in the week that he likes to get into the game early in the way to the – sorry, he likes to get in the rushing game early. Um, and they did that, get him a couple hits, wake him up. He's good to go. And he they had the design runs down. Um, and obviously the scrambles were there too. I, one thing that really pissed me off, they're like, oh, this giant hit by LSU. It was like when he got tripped up after juking the hell out of the guy, and the guy like shoestring tackles him, and then like a D tackle come up from behind and lay a big hit. It's like that's not a big hit. That's just weak. Don't listen to that. I know, but you know what I mean. It, Roshan was probably our best rusher, which is cr- not best rusher, but best running back. He is unbelievable yeah. at diving for extra yards. It looks like he, Vince Young. Vince Young used to be the king of diving for two extra yards. Yeah, he he was the most aggressive running back. If that's uh, he wasn't like yes. he, he wasn't great, but he was he was aggressive. And like you said, know, he, he gained those extra yards by diving forward. Whereas Keontae sitting out there freaking butterfingers was fumbling the ball and. Uh, Thankfully, he recovered that one. But he, I mean, it just, he was playing kind of soft. And I think it just goes back to, unfortunately, he just was a head case. Once he dropped that pass, yeah. he realized that all eyes were on him every time the ball was in his hands. Um, you know, they went to him 10 times. Um, but Roshan kind of proved to be the more aggressive guy in the game. So I, I would argue him. that Roshan really was great given these circumstances. Playing this team, playing the number six team in the country, being a true freshman. Never really playing running back ever. He's only been in the position 15 days. Right. Like, for what he did, I'd say it's pretty great. Yeah, he only got the ball seven times, but so what? Like, he he did his job and did it very, very well. And Keontae, just to give him a little bit of break, is he is supposedly fairly banged up, a little banged up. And that it, you could see it when he's running. He wasn't running as truly as hard. Even compared from the week before, he wasn't running as hard. And then the drop that, yeah, like you said, gets into his head mentally, and he just is pretty much a head case from then on. And, and not being able to rely on that rushing game is just so frustrating to watch. Like being like, okay, it's like third and four. Like we we have to throw the ball. We have no shot if we're to hand that off. Like luckily you've got Sam. So it, you can kind of mitigate that risk, but it still sucks not being able to have like the one guy that you rely on. I can't believe I would. I'm sitting here just hands and knees waiting for Daniel Young to get back, but yeah. maybe Roshan can be the guy from you know that it takes all those snaps away um, or takes more of them. But 
offense in general that kept you in the game. Yeah, that 19 play, seven minute drive was just a thing of beauty. Put that in the freaking Hall of Fame. Sam, he was great for three quarters, and it sucks that it wasn't able to get it done. But if you didn't watch that game and prove and see yourself and every improve to your to yourself or even to the Texas team, probably said the same thing like okay we can still win the big 12 like this offense is good enough that we can compete with anyone in this league no matter what and take advantage of some subpar defenses that are definitely not nearly as good as this lsu defense that's what i got away with the game with the offensive play essentially yeah i mean the the offense is is definitely just as good if not better than last year um I mean, the running back situation is a little concerning, but again, Sam makes up for it. Um, they put up 530 yards of offense, no turnovers, and 40 or 38 points on one of the better defenses, like you said, that we'll face all year. So um, the offense isn't a concern. Um, Sam's deep ball is a little bit of a concern, but the offense is going to do their thing, and they proved to us that even though if they have a slow start, they're going to be they're going to be just fine throughout the rest of the game, and then. You know, eight for fifteen on third down as well. That's, that's pretty pretty nice. Um, yeah, and only a few late fourth quarter holding and false starts. Actually, I think it was all holding. But I think uh, it, I think it was. But yeah, no. Either way, like it was an unbelievable effort by the offense. They kept us in that game the entire time. Um, and then the defense. Well, hold on. Let's uh, we got to do. We'll switch it up, John. Let's get a little bit. Uh, we posted an Instagram yesterday i think uh for t-shirt for t-shirt i think we said we were going to do one but since we got so much feedback from all our great listeners we're going to give away two you get a shirt you get a shirt so hold on let us um we're going to do the random generator hold on let me press it hold on one second and okay winner number one Laney Underwood. She tagged a lot of people, I think, actually. So that probably is why she won. Very nice. Uh, text Alexa, please. Winner number two. Oh, God. Max Hart. Mm. <laughs> Man, haven't seen that kid in a minute. Hope he's doing all right. All right, Max. I already know I'm going to get a text about this, so I'm not even going to say anything. Just send me your size, and I'll send it to wherever you're currently living to um but thank y'all that was very cool we appreciate all the support on those um it's fun just to watch all the comments on the random people who get tagged when you see like coworkers getting tagged and stuff you're like wait what the hell but uh it, it was still hilarious um all right john you ready let's just get into this and get it over with yeah defense um you know i expected the lsu offense to put up some points um but I at least expected our defense to make it hard on them. The second half was an absolute joke. It was, uh, you know, we got lucky the first drive of the second half. Their running back dropped a pass on third down. Uh, they punted it away, which was nice of them. I thought they would go for it on fourth, putting up by 13. Um, but they literally, we were on our heels the rest of the second half. Our, our D-backs um, are going to get a lot of the blame uh, just because of their youth and inexperience. But I think it kind of is more than just them. I think there's a few linebackers as well that 
uh, were missing assignments were a little slow to keep up with those receivers. So obviously the D-backs are a huge concern um, just based on the type of offenses that we'll be facing the rest of the year. Um, I, I think that we we can do a better job of simplifying it for these D-backs to put them in a better position. We used to have unathletic experience, not unathletic, but not as athletic uh, experience D-backs with Chris Boyd <laughs> and Devontae. Now we have athletic guys Sean who just Elliott don't know. We don't, yeah, now we have guys who just like are really athletic, but they don't know what they're doing. So I guess they're lacking experience. So, you know, let's get their confidence up this week with Rice, but they were getting sliced and diced all game, um, specifically in the second half. Kobe Boyce, my God, yeah, that sit cool. on the bench. Um, and then Anthony Cook came in and looked like his head was spinning that the whole time. Do any, that might have made it worse. So, yeah, then they went with all safeties out there, um, plus Jalen Green. Um, but I will say, credit Joe Burrow. Yeah. My God, that guy, you know – Everyone was high on him, and I wasn't wanting to believe it. But I said earlier, some of the throws that he made were just – maybe it was, again, our defensive backs making it easier on him. But it was just, like, unbelievable. He, he was just throwing balls, and like he, he knew his athletic receivers would be able to go make a play on. Um, you know, we – was it? it was, I think, 10-7 to 7 midway through the second quarter. Yes. We came down – kicked a field goal. We were yep. calling timeouts to try to save some time, and then we punted it away on a three and out, and they scored yep. a touchdown, yep. which made it 20-7 to seven at the half. Which 20, was really with 27 seconds on the clock. A very unfortunate sequence of events. I respect, that felt I like USC, except first half instead of second half. Yeah, yeah, I really liked the the call by Herman to you know, take those timeouts. You would expect your offense to be able to get one first down. Um, little do we know we go three and out and incomplete passes. So, that was unfortunate. I think that took a lot of air out of our defense and gave Joe Burrow a lot of confidence going into the half that we were never, never able to recover from. Um, so, you know, that's the in general statements. Um, you know, they did have that one pick, which was awesome. I really wish that Osai would have just somehow found a way to score and get in the end zone, but their offensive lineman clotheslined him with no flag. So, yeah, just. It was really, really unfortunate because they're going to get burned and and everyone's going to jump to these conclusions about how, oh, every Big 12 offense is going to tear these guys up. But in all reality, our defensive line played really well. They, we held them to just over 100, uh, 100 rushing yards, which, not, I mean, the fact that we outrushed them is pretty impressive or the fact that Sam outrushed them yes, that's is impressive. So the defensive line is not going to have the stats that everyone wants to see, which is sacks. But I think Keandre and, and Malk, both had unbelievable games of you know yeah. pushing Joe out of the pocket, but he just made plays that that were really really impressive. So um, the score sucks. Um, been giving up forty five points, but that the DBs are really pretty much a, the real concern that I think we need to address. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The second half was just the the killer. Um, just a few things to maybe throw up on more than actually just think about. But after that dropped uh, pass by their running back on the first drive of the yep. of the third quarter, yep. they scored on their next uh, seven possessions, yep. um, including uh, that was that was only two field goals, and they technically got the ball at the end of the game, obviously. Yeah, too. So that makes you want to throw up. They had three receivers over 110 yards each, 
sorry, over 110, over 120 yards each uh, with Justin Jefferson with three touchdowns, obviously the long one, but going for 163 yards. So, yeah, it, it goes into, like, can this defense play as a true unit and with cohesion that has a identity that they, they've created, and regardless of what type of team you're playing, what type of offense you're going against, you can face it, you can stop it. Uh, or is this going to be like you're basically calling plays to try and get a stop? It's like you're basically like, oh, it's first and you know it's second and five, so they might run it. So let's try and stop the run rather than trying to like pass or trying to play match. Let's just play a damn defense that we know and that we run well and we're comfortable with it, regardless of what they're throwing at us. And we didn't see that. No, it was the most soft coverage on first down every freaking time. And the deal, you're you're 100% right. The D line played very well, especially Roach and Coburn. Even like Ohomo, I still don't know how to pronounce it. Ojomo. Ojomo. Jacoby Jones didn't play bad. DeAndre Sweat, like, barely played that much. And I didn't, like, I saw decent things. Like, for what I'd be expecting, I wouldn't expect it to be that good. Juan Graham had a good game, too. He had an okay game. He had a good job of getting to the rusher just getting to burrow but it really didn't matter because he was getting it all fairly quick enough and it was just not working well obviously with the how open everybody was uh i in the rut in the run i really didn't think he played that well he was losing outside contain a lot which it's tough the way this defense was but it was not a great effort i mean the one lone bright spot was joseph asai he is unbelievable I think with that we finally found this true pass rush that we've been missing um, and that he's a constant threat on obvious passing downs where teams are really going to have to think about, is this worth doubling him? And it's getting close to, yes, he's that good. And he can still play in space. He's quick enough. He can make the tackles. I, I Don't put him in coverage. There's no point. Let him go get after the quarterback, play a little bit of scrape you know, on the outside for, for the run, and that's about it. That's his job. That's what he knows what to do. Uh, Shark had an all right game against the run. In coverage, he is so lost. He, Dude, he had a really good open field tackle against the running back, though. I know it's really specific, but it was a play where he was hawking the running back, and they went out to him on a screen pass. And if he didn't make the play, it was going to be like a 20 or 30-yard gain. So I'll give him credit for that. He's pretty good at open field tackles, which I probably just cursed him by saying that. <laughs> No, yes, you're right. He is, but when he plays, when they put him in zone coverage, he has no idea what's going on. It like if you want to throw up, go watch that the two point conversion. Like it is unbelievable what he's doing, uh, and it's the ball basically goes right over where he should be. The rest of the linebacker group, I mean, like Delhi, like he's pretty non-existent. I didn't see much. Um, I guess that's a kind of a good thing for considering how many points they gave up. But like, yeah, just going into the tired DBs in general. Like, Brandon Jones made a great play on that sack right before the third and 17. But other than that, he had some decent coverage. Didn't let anything really get over the top of him, but he, he was still letting a lot of stuff underneath get in front of him. Had great tackling, but no big plays that really kind of changed the game where we needed this, where we needed something. Uh, same goes for Stearns. I mean, you can bitch at Stearns all he won on that third and 17 for not tackling. He already the first down and didn't fuck him up. So... Yeah, all right, let's get into it. We'll get into it real quick. Let's just – we'll get it the third and 17. Dude. You go. Oh, my God. I guess I 
I'd forgotten that they like truly couldn't stop us. Like they had not stopped us in like three or four possessions. I knew like if we got the ball back that what it meant. I I, I was like, okay, LSU is going to play like conservative and just try to get a few we, yards. We scored five possessions in a row. I, I was like, okay, I, I was like pretty confident we were going to get the ball back, but I wasn't confident we were going to win just because I don't know. I just it was, I don't know. I, it was being negative, Nancy, I guess. But the oh God, when they when the D line started running at him and then I saw him step up, I was like, oh no, oh no. And then when he completed the pass, I was like, all right, there's no way because I thought there would be someone over there to you know at least be guarding the first down. And then when he just was going, it was so tragic. It was like all you had to do was make one stop. It was right there, and you probably win that game. And everything is forgotten about about how uh, bad the defensive backs were. You had to make one stop, and we couldn't do it. And, I, and I'm making a big generality here, but I think it was the first game that Todd Orlando kind of got outcoached. Um, he, he didn't really make any adjustments in the second half. And then he made that play call. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty, as always, um, on bringing a blitz there. But it just was – I mean, Joe Burrow made some unbelievable passes and, and under pressure that were unfortunate and, you know, really kind of just were better plays on his part. But, you know, th- that third and 17, that all you had to do was make one stop, one stop, and we couldn't do it. So – and then let alone give up a whole touchdown, which actually might have – been better since they got the first down so <laughs> yeah i mean which is crazy to say because of the onside kick and everything but yeah okay i mean orlando's getting a lot i agree with you maybe not the first game i think you could maybe argue oklahoma state last year he truly got out coached as well but to play devil's advocate because he is getting so much shit heat for this the play before he brought literally the exact same pressure um on this one, on the third down, it was just a little more reserved, a little more delayed. Or the second down was a little more delayed in terms of McCullough coming up the middle. The third down, he kind of waited and read the running back. And then when he saw he was blocking, he came. But it was literally the exact same blitz. And if you go back and rewatch the replay, which hurts, I know. McCulloch's, Jeffrey McCulloch's hand is about six inches away from hitting Burrow. Like, maybe. He is so damn close. And he jumps in the air and makes an unbelievable athletic play. And Burrow takes half a step forward and kind of slides out of it. Taquan Graham has great great pass rush. force. He's the one who really forces him up. And then Chris Brown is a little too late to read it, which is so against Chris Brown. Like, if you've watched any Chris Brown, the one thing that he does is his instincts on when to attack and when to come forward rather than sit back in coverage is he knows exactly when to do it and could read it perfectly. And he was probably about a foot short, a half a step short. And he just didn't see it in time. And sure enough, Burrow is in the air, maybe on one foot, when he actually releases the ball. And it sucks. It's It was going for the home run when you've got like bases loaded and you need one run and you've got no outs. Like it, it was going for swinging for the fences. I get it. But yeah, you're right. If we get to him, if we barely touch him and that ball is slightly askew or whatever, then it, yeah, the entire, we're calling it DBU. We're staying all this shit. We're getting rid of no, 400 yards, like even regardless. But like it, it's nuts to say. And 
Orlando definitely got out coached because he threw the out the buck on that one. The statistical like football whatever gods, Bill Parcells, whoever you want to say, would have been like, no, hell no, we're not bringing pressure. It's third and seventeen, play cover four, make a good tackle, and they throw it ten yards in front of you. But I I don't know. I didn't hate it as much as everyone else did. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's uh You play to win the game. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, you know, let's I guess let's you know let's try to keep this thing at fifty minutes. So really, you know, the Saturday night and Sunday and Monday I was pretty sour. It was really unfortunate that Oh, you were sour, wouldn't it? The fucking game. I, I just it was really I thought it was a game that we lost. You know, we just gave I guess it was. We we pretty much shot ourselves in the foot and gave it away um in the first quarter. But we fought back and in all reality, it was a, it was kind of a, you know, we, it was a game that we just, if we won, awesome, but lose, just be at least be competitive and give a good experience for our, our guys. Um, we now go into, you know, Rice, let's take care of business and then go into Big 12 play and losing to a top five team is not going to kill us. You know, oh. it, it, I don't think we're, we're not a playoff team this year. Oh, we're, yes. We're not. Yes. We're not. I know you're 100 percent right, and we said this. If you listen to Beer Podcast the first week, we said this: like the absolute ceiling is like winning the Big 12 championship. Not even, I mean, absolute ceiling making the playoff, but a true normal ceiling would be winning the Big 12 championship, and th- it's still a- alive. Like it's not dead at all. Uh, I know it sucks, and you lose a big game, and Kirk Herbstreit's bitch ass with his fake tan calls you a loser and keeps on praising the other guy this season is so far from over it's almost like the like the not losing to maryland but it lights a fire under your ass and makes you play the next game you think they're going to come out ready against oklahoma state i will bet your ass that they're going to come out so hot in that game yeah i mean i think the defense is is key to fix to be successful the rest of the year in the big 12 but this team you know if we won I think we would have been so cocky and would have lost a random game. Right, um, exactly. Am I saying that we're going to run the table the rest of the no, way? No. But. but I think, you know, we are probably going to choke in one game and then lose to a really good Big 12 team somewhere else. So I, I, this team, look, we probably overachieved a little bit last year, <laughs> but this team is young. Let's take this game as a learning lesson. And it is unfortunate that we didn't win on such a national stage. But we had about 8.5 million people watch that game. It was the most, I guess, watched game of the college football season, which is not saying much, but it was like one of the top 10 uh, ABC games ever watched or something like that, yeah, which yeah, was past really, like, really past like decade. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really awesome that just yeah, having cool. that kind of exposure for your program again. Um, and then being competitive is, is awesome. It hurts not to win, but let's, let's move on and we'll go to Baton Rouge next year and have a good time over there. So um, let's jump on to the voicemails. Okay. Yeah. We get a few voicemails. Thank you again for sending these in, please. Oh. Oh, let me say something before we do that. Go, go ahead. Uh, shout out to everyone in Austin this past weekend that came up to me and said something about the podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, both at Parlor Yard on Friday night and during the tailgates on Saturday. The turf, bro. Uh, makes, makes this podcast and doing this on a weekly basis much more worth it when people come up and say stuff like that. So, again, really appreciate it. And uh, if people continue to do that, maybe I'll have a koozie on me and you get it for free. So. Okay, here's a one voicemail from a very loyal listener, and it kind of leads into a quick little topic that we can get into. Hey guys, it's Maddox. So, 
I was just reading this article on theadvocate.com. I don't know what the advocate um, is, but... It's all about how LSU apparently didn't have any AC in the visitor's locker room during the game, which I think is just really so disappointing if it's true. Um, really curious to see what y'all think about that. And what do y'all think that Texas needs to do to make up for it? I mean, make... Okay, first off, this is the biggest non-story of all stories. There, if Skip Holtz's old ass is saying that the air conditioning was fine in there, I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I think this is a blown up story on social media, and Ed Orgeron doesn't know how to handle. Which sucks because uh, I like Orgeron. He, I mean, how do you not like him? Like he's just like, oh, like he's a humble guy almost. He's just a football. There is no way this is true. There is literally no way this is true. It is true that we stuffed their band in the top corner, but we do that with every team. But the air conditioning, really, I think it was a ploy by their part to you know make up for, try to make up this reasoning for why their players were cramping up every other play. Um, I do too. There, there is no way that we would do that on such a such a big stage. Um, maybe one unit was out. Who knows? But. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's true, and I think it's just a, a blown up story. And it's really surprised me how much attention this got. Yeah, um, you know, I think leading up to this game, it was the biggest hyped game of the year, uh, or so far of the year, and it was it's, everyone on social media was talking trash to each other, and it's kind of continued on all week where people were just going at Sam, talking about how Sam's phone got hacked or his phone number got or leaked out. And, Coach's phone uh, numbers got hacked too. The air conditioning situation, um, it's 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 unfortunate if it's true, but I don't think it's an intentional act by the university to do that. There's no there's no way like that would be like NCAA would come down on you if you intentionally didn't produce or have air conditioning. It wouldn't surprise me if the Kansas locker room doesn't have air conditioning, <laughs> but DKR has air conditioning. There's no way. Yeah, I think this is such a non-story, but whatever. Uh, one more uh, voicemail that kind of gets into something. Uh, another topic I wanted to touch on. Hello, this is Bill McGee uh, calling to see if the Beers and Steers team can tell me how to turn $100 into $1,000 this weekend. Thanks, bye. Great question. Great. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah, golf clap on that. That's great, a great, question. great question, Bill. And this gets into something, and you can take the ethics of this however you want, but here's start off. Bill uh, T. Boone Pickens died today. Absolutely tragic. He's an unbelievable just story, American, all-around guy, uh, given $650 million to Oklahoma State and given probably a couple hundred million dollars to charities um, elsewhere. Uh, also, a little fun fact I saw on T. Ben Pickens today is that he went to A&M on a basketball scholarship, and they cut him, and so he transferred to Oklahoma State. So just think about that for a second. If Texas A&M had T-Ben Pickens, where would they be? little kind of sliding doors moment. But this gets into what Bill was talking about. When a mascot or a dignitary of a school dies, you put the house on that team. When Bevo died in uh, October of 2016, shout out Maffridge, that was one of the biggest locks in the world. Just want to say it. So if you want to put it, turn a hundred dollars into a thousand dollars, take Oklahoma State. They're minus fourteen. Maybe parlay it with Penn State or uh, Ohio State. Okay, Rice. Mine, mine is Maryland. They only get minus eight and a half versus Temple. The team has scored like hundred fifty points so far this year. So I 
I'd take that. Okay, Rice. Uh, they're playing their backup quarterback. They have a right tackle that weighs less than I did in college. And we're favored by 31. John, do you have anything else? Jesus Christ, we're playing Rice at NRG. I mean, this is a joke. I mean, I kind of like playing at NRG. No, no, no. I'm excited that we're playing. I'm, I'm very excited that we're playing Houston. Are you kidding me? The convenience? Yeah, but, that's great um, for you. Like, this is, uh, this is ultimate. Let's get our confidence back up. Let's get some momentum going into a conference play. Again, stay healthy. Um, what What is something that you want to see us do that we haven't done this year? I mean, it's not like we're really going to be pulling out many tricks in this game. It's not really worth Get worried. two true coverage picks? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, like not tipped passes. No, but like not tipped, not nothing. I want a good read and good coverage. If this backup quarterback throws it over us, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Fears and Steers might be having a sleepover Friday and Saturday night, so – there, we might we might have to bring the uh, the mic down and some, late uh, night pod some late night <laughs> live audio. Oh wait, okay, We're, we'll work on the we'll send something out after this. <laughs> we might be audibling from Armadillo Palace. Just a heads up. Oh yeah. By the way, CMO someone just, just texted out, us. Someone just outbid us for the party day. CMO just texted us that we are no longer going to Armadillo Palace. So if you're we just got outbid by some oil and gas firm, so we're not able to keep up with the funds of oil and gas firm. So. Anywho, Texas favored by 31 points. I think we win. I don't think we cover. I don't oh, think we cover. Okay. I'll say we win 45 10. All right. Games of the week. Pitt at Penn State, 11 a.m. Penn State is minus, or sorry, State Penn is minus 17. Rivalry game, the 11 a.m. sucks. Uh, Penn State's got that new quarterback, but they've covered two weeks in a row. I'm sticking with the Nitty Lions. I think they're actually very underrated. Um, That's at Penn State? That is at Penn State, correct. Yeah, I agree. They win rivalry game at home. I agree. Arizona State at Michigan State, 230. Uh, Michigan State's minus 14. Michigan State might have the best defense in the country, and I don't think people have realized it yet. And they don't score. I know, but like, just don't want to just watch their defense. Um, I also don't trust Herm Edwards going that far north. No way he want, his team is ready for that. Uh, even though they won this game last year, I like Michigan State to score. They'll get a defensive uh, touchdown to cover. Um, pretty weak week uh, in terms of college football. Not really big. I mean, yeah, game, uh, days, really game days at Iowa State. So, Wait, what? Where yeah. is it? It's in into names for the first time ever. It's so sad. If Syracuse would have beat Maryland, they would have gone to Syracuse for the first I time know. ever. I'm, I'd rather go to Iowa State, but I mean. Still, yeah, Dino Babers is fun to watch at Syracuse. Uh, only other game that we uh, we thought was of interest was Florida at Kentucky, six p.m. Kentucky, or sorry, Florida is minus eight. Uh, Kentucky is getting eight as a home dog. Felipe Frank sucks. He is not a good quarterback, but their defense is really fun to watch. And uh, Kentucky lost all those Tony Pollard and uh, all those weapons on offense. So I don't know how they keep up with them. Uh, I like the points of the Cats. It's tough. It's going to be a tough cover, but I think they can do it. Cash Daniels, the fullback for Kentucky, is an absolute psychopath, and he's guaranteed to do something stupid that will be fun to watch. All right, that's it. See everybody in Houston? I don't know. Bring your gold bond. Text us if you're coming in town. Uh, we'll Text us. Don't go to Armadillo Palace. Yeah, do don't not go to Armadillo blame Palace. Blame it on us when we don't show up to Armadillo Palace. There will, yeah. there will not be a beers and, steer, beers and steers tab at Armadillo Palace. Um, if you show up and ask <laughs> them that, they're probably going to kick you out on the spot. So, all um, right, Lane, Laney Underwood, Max Hart, Texas for 
t-shirts too. We'll get this to you supposedly this weekend. Keep an eye out on Instagram for the location, and we'll see you on Houston. Good morning. been ready <laughs> i was born ready surprise, surprise motherfucker <laughs> that actually sounded really good by the way like the not what you said but the, like the quality was really good so speak up okay I'll speak for my sternum <laughs> it is me sky mirror may we <laughs> what the fuck? have you ever heard that Nope. You know the fucking you know this the have you ever seen the actual sky mirror outside of Cowboy Stadium? Uh I'm it's, sure I have, but it's no, it's not. Fucking Jerry Jones's wife, he like let her design the art around the stadium, quote unquote, and she put a fucking mirror that's like massive right outside the stadium. And it's called the sky mirror. And so get out.